Okay, hit hit me with the why. Why me, baby? If you came up, if you if you came up in this world with a difficult mom, hit me with the why. You can do it. You know, one day I'm gonna green screen that green screen that door behind me, and then people are just gonna I'm gonna open it, put my head back, and uh, like Kramer, uh, all clear. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, tell me if you guys had uh, difficult moms. And uh, it makes Mother's Day a challenge, but uh, I think there's some real positives in it as well. So let's talk about about that. Uh, what have we got here? Why? Why? N. Why? Why? Good. Zach says, "Love you, Steph. I've been listening to you for over a decade. You've been one of the one of, if not the best, influence in my entire life. Thank you so much for all you do. Thank you so much. Why? She had a temper. N. Why? All right. Hi, Jamie. How you doing? Good to see you. Good to see you." My mom has bounced from man to man for over 30 years now. That's quite the carousel, let me tell you. Share, share, share the feed, please do. Uh, my mom once told me when I was 9 or 10 that she thought I was incapable of being loved. Ooh! Oh, maternal stiletto right to the ventricle. I'm sorry about that. That's Oh, incapable of loving? Oh, yes. So if you don't love difficult people, somehow you're just deficient, you know? You're just deficient. What can I tell you? You're just, it's just wrong with you. She was a difficult birthing person. Hmm. I'm so anxious about where to buy and hold crypto. Can you advise me where to research this? I know your stance on giving direct guidance. Well, you should be anxious about buying and holding crypto. To me, Bitcoin is the only real crypto. Ethereum is a close second. Doge, in my view, is, uh, well, it's gone through this a bunch of times before. And Doge, uh, you know, I can't read Elon Musk's mind, but if I had to guess, I would say something quite simple, which is that uh, um, Elon Musk wants to buy Bitcoin, so he's telling you to buy Doge. <laughs> because that way you're not buying Bitcoin, it keeps the price low. And tell me what, uh, I'm buying, buy and hold crypto. Uh, to me, you know, the best strategy, just my personal advice, uh, opinion, no advice, um, Bitcoin is the real crypto. It's barely been proven and tested for 11 years straight. And I don't talk about my personal investments if I invest into any other crypto. I generally diversify my portfolio. Oh, but um, uh, I think the other cryptos are, uh, if they come anywhere, it's because Bitcoin is the icebreaker and the other cryptos will eventually go into that space. But uh, yeah, tell me, tell me what the story was with your mom. The good, the bad, the ugly. And then we'll talk about how to deal with Mother's Day and, and how to make sure that the negative things that happened in your past end up being positive things get, that can happen in your future. Because that really annoys the dysfunctional people. Like when you end up being, uh, or having a great life really based upon their dysfunction. That's a judo move for the ages, right? So yeah, tell me what, uh, what the story is with your mom. Yeah, share the feed if you could. I would appreciate that. I'd always fight with my mom on Mother's Day. This year will be different, hopefully. Hmm, hope is not a strategy. Uh, I was told when I was a kid, if wishes were horses, beggars would ride. Uh, don't dream, don't wish, don't believe, um, have a plan and execute it. Uh, a life without a plan is a slow spiral to an early grave or a late grave, which is even worse if you haven't achieved anything. So yeah, I, like, I had a call in yesterday with a guy, 37 years old, living at home, had one girlfriend and, oof, man, it's uh, don't back yourself into that kind of corner, man. 
So one of the reasons why you'd fight with your mom on Mother's Day, so this is 101 of dysfunctional families. Uh, it would happen in my family when I was a kid. Birthdays, uh, Christmas, sometimes New Year's, Mother's Day, for sure Father's Day was uh, staring at an empty chair, so that wasn't quite so volatile. But the reason is, so when you have a situation in society where you're just damn well supposed to be happy and you're supposed to be getting along, then when you're not and when you don't and when it ain't happening, it's really awful. You know, the happy, happy times in society really highlight the messes of dysfunctional families. It's really brutal. And so what happens is because you're supposed to be happy, but you can't achieve it, you end up fighting even more. Man, Christmases at my house were just brutal. But always something would always go wrong. There'd be something wrong with the food and there'd be this big nothing. My mom would like switch on a light. The light would not work and she'd scream and nothing works in this world. And it would get all existential. And, you know, good luck. Good luck buoying that up with the preteen helium of hope for the best. Uh, survived my childhood. Stefan helped me advise me through many crossroads and still does. Thank you. Steph's advice. Hodla uh, I also like Bitcoin Cash, which is Bitcoin with a larger block size. Yeah, absolutely. Look, there is a way of dealing with finances where there's a top layer that goes quickly and a bottom layer that goes slowly. I mean, if you think about, uh, you know, <laughs> when they say, uh, what is it, thousands of, of Visa transactions for one Bitcoin transaction, it's not true. It's not true. If you look at all of the energy that is consumed in Visa, not just the instantaneous Visa transaction, but... Uh, all of the Visa uh, computers and offices and servers and uh, uh, internet architecture and all of those little machines that are plugged in to process the Visa. You look at the total cost. Anyway, it's all just a bunch of nonsense when they're lying about uh, Bitcoin's energy consumption. But yeah, there'll be some way of resolving it quickly and then it'll resolve slower. Like when you buy something on Visa, the money doesn't immediately come out of your bank account, right? Sometimes it can be a month later or more. There's nothing like realizing at a very young age that your only caretaker isn't a logical thinker and that you are very likely more intelligent than the only person who is responsible for you. <sighs> yeah. Oh, the outgrowing your parents thing. If your parents, uh, there's a quote from Jung that uh, most, most parents are just overgrown children. Um, and when you realize that you're more mature than your mother or your father, and that you think more clearly and that you have a chance for a better life, it's rough. Because the kind of people who are very immature never like being outstripped by their kids. And look, your kids are going to outstrip you. Why? Because they're here to replace you. So there are two games I play with my daughter, uh, one more regularly called Among Us and one more irregularly called Rocket League. And I started off, of course, better than her, and she's better than me in both of those games now. Why? youth. Uh, she, she's got a great brain for this kind of stuff. Now, I'm better at third-person shooters, like Doom stuff, but I'm sure if she tried, <laughs> she'd be better at that too, but she doesn't play that violent stuff. But um, yeah, she's she's faster. She's stronger. She's uh, doesn't get injured when she sprints too hard, <laughs> as I sometimes do. And uh, yeah, so your kids will outstrip you. Why? Because they're here to replace you, just as you were here to replace your parents. But when it happens emotionally at an early age, it's pretty tough. My mom would lie and smoke cigarettes behind my dad's back and take me with her. Ooh, yes, that's rough, man. If your parents aren't particularly mm, charismatic people, if they have a, if they rolled low on the D&D charisma index, then what they do is they cling to their kids as, quote, friends who can't get away. You just can't get away. That's rough, man. 
My favorite, my mother's favorite tactic is what I refer to as shrink, cry, guilt trip. Is that shrink or shriek? I don't know. I think you enjoy your children even more and can be prouder to break the cycle. Yeah, no, that's very true. I hate my mom, says Mike. I'm sorry about that, man. I'm sorry about that. First time listening to you live. Long time follower of you since YouTube. Hmm, YouTube. YouTube toasted um, the rebel Ezra Levant's outfit in Canada. And sorry, not YouTube. Uh, they've demonetized on YouTube. PayPal toasted the rebel, uh, which is pretty, pretty wild and pretty brutal. Hey, the rebels run by a Jewish guy. How does that hit people for the Jewish question? Anyway, uh, I love my mom. Thank God. Actually, thank your mom. Uh, and maybe it's her relationship to God that's helped that. But Andrew, I think that's wonderful. Uh, I bought the dip earlier today and already made a profit. Yeah, but stocks and cryptos are kind of like a random walk, right? There's too many variables. So uh, you can be proud, but it's somewhat accidental. I mean, it's good that you're trading and all of that, but it's somewhat accidental. My mom calls me Karen all the time. Hmm. All right. Having children really solidified my decision to keep my family at a 10-foot pole distance away. Well, yeah, if your family is toxic, it's really brutal and destructive for you as a parent, and your kids get to see you bullied and shrinking in front of aggressive people or fighting crazily with them, which is going to kill your respect, their respect for you. Uh, and so, you know, six-foot distance? No, six miles at least for the functional people. My mom severely neglected me, and I thank you for your information on defooing. My life has improved since I've stopped trying to work it out. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I mean, the def so foo is family of origin. Defooing is the equivalent of divorce, but with an unchosen relationship, right? So people are fine if you're in an abusive relationship, like a marriage, uh, and you divorce, then people say, well, good for you, but you chose that relationship, right? You, you got to test drive that person for months or years. You ended up finally getting married. Turns out they're abusive or they were abusive all along. And so if you divorce an abusive partner, everyone says, yay, good for you, power girl, you go, Yes, queen, slay, blah, blah, blah. And yet, if you are in an unchosen relationship, as we all are with our parents, and we end up divorcing our parents who are relentlessly abusive and you can't fix it, everyone thinks that it's horrible and horrifying, which means that marriage is free market. And for most people, family is perceived as a cult because cults uh, attack you. When you try to establish boundaries, cults attack you when you try to get away. Cults attack you when you have reasonable objective standards. Cults attack you when you hold them to the same standards they hold you. And if that's your parents and that's your society, you're kind of in a cult. And it's much more common than people think. My mom was great. I miss her every day. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sorry to hear that you've lost her. I'm very sorry. I love my mom as well. I'm quite lucky. Good for you. I, I appreciate that. That's great to hear. My parents would roast each other behind their backs. I would have liked to respect her. Yeah, you know that uh, stitch and bitch stuff where you get together and just complain about people? Oh, that's horrible. It's really horrible. And don't disrespect your partner to your kids, to other people, and so on. I mean, I, I had a girlfriend once who used to complain that she'd get together with the other women, and all the other women would do is just complain about their partners. And she'd say, I'm really happy. He's a great guy. And then there's just this seething resentment that comes from the other women. It's just, it's just awful. My mom admitted accidentally that she chose her stepdad because she likes him and gave no regard to whether her kids would like him. I'm sorry about that. Her childhood likely sucked, says Mike, due to uh, my father had major issues and it's likely due to his dysfunctional family, so I forgive him to a degree. Well, ah, sorry. These, this is the domino theory, right? So the domino theory is my parents were bad because they had a bad childhood. And I understand where you're coming from with that. I really do. Uh, it makes sense to me that you would believe that. 
but it's a terrible thing to believe. I sort of hate to say it this frankly, but it is a it is a terrible thing to believe, and you should try and studiously avoid that perception and or that belief. And I will get to why in just a second, but somewhere, where did, where did, ah, ah too many tabs. <laughs> it's a tabcastrophe, tab catastrophe, tabtastrophe. All right, hang on a sec. Uh, there we go. Oh, switch to this tab. Oh, isn't that nice? There is one that says switch to this tab. Oh, good. Okay, we didn't start. Should we, should we spread some cheddar? Let's spread some cheddar, right? Let's throw out a lot. There you go. Get some cheddar. And so the reason why you shouldn't believe the idea or the argument that your parents had it bad, therefore you have it bad. Oh, sorry. Your, your parents' childhood was bad. That's why they're bad parents. Is you're obviously giving your parents excuses. And whatever excuse you give to your parents, you will take for yourself. Let me say that again. It's so important. Whatever excuses you give to your parents, you will give to yourself. So I gave myself zero excuses for a bad childhood. Let me say that again. I gave myself big, fat, bagel, goosehead, zero excuses for a bad childhood. Wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. Well, and that gives me the right to say to my parents or to other people, um, I get that your bad childhood was a factor and it's important and you shouldn't ignore it and you shouldn't pretend that it's not. But the moment you start using your bad childhood as an excuse, very, very, very bad. Very bad. Because then you're using the suffering of your childhood to excuse bad actions in the present, which your inner child will absolutely loathe and hate. Because your inner child will say, my God, we suffered so much. How dare you use our suffering as an excuse to inflict suffering on others? My God, what a terrible thing. So it's important to know the history of your family, and it's not the end of the world to have sympathy for your parents for their bad childhoods. Of course, I mean, that had an effect. But don't do the domino theory, man. The domino theory is bad childhood leads to bad adulthood. That suffering as a child leads to inflicting suffering as an adult. That's the domino theory. And it's really a terrible, terrible theory. And the reason you have it, of course, is that you don't want to judge your parents objectively as human beings according to objective moral standards. I get why you don't want to do that. It's not a pleasant thing to do. I didn't want to do it. Nobody wants to do it. It's scary to do it. But in order to have, you, you, if you give your parents the domino, just crash, 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 this is how they end up doing, what does that mean about you? Does that mean you're fundamentally different from your parents? And you have free will and they didn't? Then how on earth can you have universal morals if your parents didn't have free will and you did? Now, again, I've said this before, maybe by the time you met them, your parents had no effective free will because they'd done so much wrong, but they had free will at some point. Uh, are you excited about space exploration, possible ANCAP society in space? Oh, don't get me started on space ex exploration. Oh, man, don't get me started on space exploration. Because when I was a kid, you know, the space, the Star, Star Trek and, and, and Star Wars and uh, jetpacks and, and the Jetsons, we were all supposed to, I de I'm desperate to go to space. I would absolutely love to go to space. If I had 200 grand lying around, I'd do it through the Amazon thing or whatever's happening with Jeff. I would absolutely love to go to space. But I can't, and neither can you. Why? Because the government took a monopoly on space. 
these intergalactic a-holes took all of her tax money, poured it into sending a few jerkwads to the moon and a few other jerkwads into orbit. And because of that, you and I can't go. It's become an absolutely princely one in a billion people get to go to space because government, and because government took all of this money, we can't invest it in companies that could have got us to space 20 years ago. No, no, I'm excited about space exploration. But right now, it's a government monopoly that is crowding out private investment, and uh, it's bloody awful. It's, I, I may I'm probably get to my grave without ever going to space. I dreamed about that as a kid. I wrote science fiction stories. My very first novel was called By the Light of an Alien Sun. I wrote it when I was 11. All right. Sweem says, hey, Steph, I've been listening to you for 11 years. Your channel is the best that ever was. You know, it still is, but all right. Uh, I stopped drinking pot and smoking. Enjoy my Bitcoins. Oh, thank you if you donated. I appreciate that. My parents never seemed close to each other. I remember being shocked when I once saw mom kiss dad goodbye. So this is a, uh, a strategy. You have to understand a lack of affection and putting other people down is a strategy. So if you don't have philosophy, reason, objectivity, love, virtue, and all those good things in your life, well, you still got to resolve disputes with the people around you. You still got to resolve those disputes. So how do you do it? Well, the way that you do it is you threaten the bond. You threaten the bond. You know, you, you, if you can't inspire people and you can't bribe them, you got to threaten them, right? And so... If you are a wife and you want your husband to do something, you storm around, you withhold sex, you slam cupboards, you intimidate, you withhold affection until you get what you want, which is a form of bullying, right? It's a form of bullying. Because when you are in a marriage, you have to supply affection because you've got a monopoly, right? I mean, you've got a legal and moral monopoly on your partner, right? So I don't have to feed every child in the known universe, but I have to feed my child if I'm keeping her because nobody else, I mean, take my wife out of the equation for a moment, like nobody else is going to feed her. If you bring a dog home, you got to feed that dog. You don't have to feed every stray dog in the neighborhood, but you got to feed the dog you bring home because you just created a monopoly on dog food. You can't get the food if he's locked in your house from any other place. So in a marriage, to withhold affection is to break your vow. Now, this doesn't mean that you constantly have to be, you know, smiling and shagging each other like a bunch of ferrets in a bag, but what I'm saying is that You cannot morally, you can never morally take the withholding of affection as a strategy to get what you want because you just broke the foundation of the marriage. It's like withholding sex. If you if you withhold sex in a marriage, you are uh, you have just broken the marriage. And again, I know there's times where you don't feel like having sex. There's times where you have a headache. I'm not talking about any of that. There's times where you have a disagreement and you go to bed and you don't. But you have to work on it and you've worked to recover it, right? Because you've just said to each other as marital partners. We have a monopoly on each other's sexual access, and to withhold that monopoly is highly abusive. Now, again, there could be medical reasons. There could, oh, I, I understand. I'm talking about working on it to make sure that it, it has. So, yeah, the withdrawal of affection is just a way of, well, I can't get what I want through negotiation. I can't get what I want through inspiring people, so I'm just going to withhold affection and bully, put the other person down, and that way uh, I have more power in the relationship because they feel insecure. That's really tough. I have a lot of anger towards my mother more than anyone else on the planet. I'm sorry to hear about that. I really am. Stefan, I just eat food recently, never been happier on a Mother's Day. Do you mean that you took responsibility for what happened to you? No. I can't take responsibility for what happened to me as a child. I didn't choose my parents. So, no. 
Uh, tips for improving relationship with my mother-in-law, apart from treating my girlfriend as well as possible. That's too vague. I'm sorry, I don't know much about her. After ghosting my family for three years, they are now loving and nice for me. They are talking constantly about therapy, but they won't do anything. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Ah, let's see here. I love space exploration, but not when China does it and loses control of an orbiting rocket. Oh yeah, and China now is responsible for more greenhouse gas emissions than the rest of the developing world combined. But you won't hear anything about that now, will you? Because you can't tax China. Apart from paying Bitcoins to Elon Musk for a flight in space, now only invest in Bitcoins. Yeah, yeah. What about the excuse of arranged marriages for my mom, since I will not go through that, and men are more in control of that in my culture? Yeah, so an arranged marriage uh, Im imposed by parents uh, certainly removes moral responsibility for a lot of, of your mom, for sure. Are you worried about China dominating space? The U.S., while deeply flawed, at least has more self-correction available. Well, you're assuming that the U.S. is not, these days, the shadow cast by Chinese power. Um, now, am I worried about China dominating space? I couldn't give a shit. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry to swear on, on Mother's Day. I couldn't tell you how little I care about things that I can't control. I, I just, I got, a, I got a big slice and dice, you know, I got a big slice and dice in my life. Things that I can have some effect over and things that I got. And one of the reasons I got deplatformed was criticizing China, which just tells you how much China, how much control China has. And, you know, I mean, I, I assume that hostile entities have dirt on most public figures. I mean, that's just so much stuff has been hacked and, and all of that. So I simply assume, you know, like with, with Rob Ford locking down Ontario, um, even though he's supposed to be conservative uh, and is suspicious of government power, locking down to the extreme that he tried to, where the police basically said, no, 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 we're not just stopping people randomly and demanding their papers. So when you look at people like uh, um, Bill Gates, who has a very long association with people like Jeffrey Epstein, and Bill Gates is like, you know, yay, let's let's go for the vaccine and all that. No, no questions, can't have any questions, can't ask any questions, can't have any debate. I just assume that these people are just compromised. I just assume that, you know, that people have got stuff on them and that's it, man. That's it. Like uh, uh, just about every public figure, when they uh, come to a conclusion prematurely, I simply assume that that conclusion is dictated to them by whoever has dirt on them. That's just the way the way that I work. And uh, uh, until proven otherwise, just my opinion, right? Until proven others. Um, so no, am I worried about China dominating space? Uh, <laughs> what am I going to do about it? And, and right now at this point in my life, and I, I did care a lot about things I couldn't control because I thought I could control them. And I did control them to some degree, at least had an influence for a long time. But one of the great liberations about being deplatformed is I don't uh, I don't have to care about things outside my influence now. So am I worried about China dominating space? Um, I'm not worried about it when you bring it up, and I will forget about it within within 10 seconds. All right. How to deal with a narcissistic mother who's in a cult? Scientology. I don't know. You consider Scientology a cult? I don't know. But uh, you, I don't know what you mean by deal with a narcissistic mother. I don't know how you would deal with a narcissistic mother because you're not in the relationship. She's only there to figure out what she needs, and you may be a tool to get what she needs but if you are a hoe and you're used for digging up uh, the garden 
uh, and you say, well, what's my relationship to the gardener? Well, there isn't a relationship to the gardener. You're just a tool that he uses to get what he wants. There's no relationship. He doesn't ask you, hey, do you feel like digging up some worms at the moment? No, he just uses you to get what he wants, which is to turn the earth in the garden. And it's the same thing when you're with a narcissist. You're just a tool for them to get what they want. So there's no relationship there. Off-topic question, why Spain, France, Portugal, and their colonies relatively failed comparing to UK and its colonies until today? Well, because the UK was dominated by a universalism and a morality that they had an empire to a large degree, it's called the white man's burden, to bring what was perceived to be the more primitive races up to the standards of the UK. And the, uh, the uh, England uh, destroyed itself in this absolutely fruitless goal, because when you've got cousin marriage and low IQ, you just can't change the country enough, right? So um, the UK did this uh, investment, and I did a whole, um, uh, I did a whole uh, presentation on the Native Americans. Uh, I did a whole presentation on India and colonialism and so on, and the amount of goods that they brought, because they had a, this is why the UK was responsible for the end of slavery worldwide, uh, because they had a mission, which was to try and bring other cultures and, and ethnicities and races up to what they perceived as the same level as the UK. And they completely destroyed themselves as a country, as the West has done as a whole, because you're chasing something which you cannot achieve. It's like saying, well, if we spend enough money and, and kill enough people and destroy enough of our wealth and kill off enough of our own citizens and lose enough of our freedoms, then uh, Japanese people will end up as tall as Danish people. And it's like, yeah, good luck with that. It's a huge, huge illusion. And, and like literally hundreds of millions of people have been killed for this fundamental delusion, right? After ghosting my father for a year, he told me a family secret. He was born out of wedlock and does not know his biological father. A drill sergeant once said, I only care about someone if they're feeding him, effing him, or paying his rent. Yeah, I'm not sure how much philosophy you'd want to get out of a drill sergeant, but that is kind of catchy. Why do you say sorry when expressing sympathy for someone else's pain? It's not your fault they had pain. No, but I'm not saying it's my fault. I, I'm sorry I did this to you. I'm saying I'm sorry that this happened to you. I have, I have regret and sadness about the fact that this happened to someone. China, more greenhouse gas than the rest of the developed world combined. Isn't that what I said? Anyway. I find solidarity with you, Steph. I'm nearly bald at 25 years old. Well, you know what? You can turn that to a good thing. See, bald is like having small boobs, right? Being bald is like having small boobs. If a woman has small boobs and she remains slender, it's no problem, right? If she has small boobs and she gets chunky, that's a big problem. So don't be a fat, bald guy. Use bald to, to, to stay relatively slender and healthy, and then you turn bald into something that makes you more attractive, because women really don't mind it. There's these, these lies. Women don't like bald. Women don't like circumcised. It's all a bunch of nonsense. It's all a bunch of nonsense. Um, be relatively fit and bald doesn't matter. Be good in bed and they don't care about anything else. All right. Uh, let's see here. Deplatformed. I was deplatformed. Stefan was deplatformed. Meanwhile, I watched a monetized YouTube channel of a man doing life in prison with an illegal iPhone filming in his cell. Yeah, watch well, sure. Have people forgotten Doug Ford is Rob Ford's brother? Yeah, that's a real quite, that was quite something. Eh? They probably got quite a lot on that, right? I've seen recent pictures of China and the air is so bad there you can't see the top of tall buildings. Yeah, so I was in China into the year 2000 for a couple of weeks to do uh, a lot of business negotiations and set up a bunch of projects. And the Chinese people, ugh, completely delightful. Uh, I had such a great time with the Chinese people, really enjoyable group of people. I remember driving out to a pretty remote research and development facility, not in Wuhan, and being really kind of stunned at, at how badly the building was maintained. But again, of course, it was a communist 
Uh, I think it was a government building or a communist run building. Um, and I remember having uh, a, a lunch where, Baijan, you, you have drinks at lunch, which is kind of unusual in the West now, like the three martini lunches, so to speak, but it was beer. Um, getting used to the food and um, sitting, uh, standing up to play some ping pong after lunch with a beer or two in me, knowing that even without the beer or two in me, I'm just not going to win. Like you go to China and you play ping pong. Sorry, it's a stereotype. You're just not going to win. But I really, really, it's just some wonderful people. A really nice, wonderful, thoughtful, warm people. And I, I'm incredibly regretful for the government that the West foisted upon them. Uh, I'm really, really sorry about that. Just, just a mess. But when I was in China, it was the same kind of thing uh, that uh, you couldn't see the tops of buildings. And this is uh, 21 years ago. Ed says, great to see you again. Thank you very much. Zeus in his beard says, thank you for helping me pull back the curtains on my family. It opened up the opportunity for healing conversations. Fantastic. Fantastic. That's great. Yeah. Great. No bald American president has been elected since the invention of television. That's very true. That's very true. And of course, uh, 90%, with white males, right? 90% of white males lose their hair uh, in, in their life. By middle age, it's pretty close to that, or at least lose some of their hair. So yeah, you're down to 10% talent pool to begin with, right? And it's another thing too that the, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, if, if you were to design a virus that was going to hit the West, you'd want it to hit balding people and you'd want it to hit overweight people and you'd want it to hit people who didn't exercise because that's really the um, trifecta of, of the West. And hey, don't you know it? Yeah, the COVID-19 uh, hits uh, balding guys, bald guys. Uh, two and a half times more. It hits people who are overweight up to 10 times more, and it hits people who don't exercise really badly. So, I don't know. I'm sure it's just a coincidence. I guess a more specific question would be how to deal with a parent who keeps pushing Scientology on you and sees you as a failure if you don't. Um, well, if somebody is pushing beliefs upon you that you reject, you tell them to stop doing it, and you make that a condition of your relationship with them. So, I'm sorry for that, for sure. I lived in China. The pollution is not noticeable for me. The cigarettes are another story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Trump is bald. I don't know. Maybe some of the presidents got hair plugs. Um, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Biden got plugs. Yeah, Biden got plugs for sure. And Elon Musk. Yeah, pretty much for sure. Do you think the West may have a Christian revival? Atheism has proven itself to largely be a gateway for cultish insanity. Well, I'm waiting for the, um, the pendulum to swing. I'm waiting for the pendulum to swing. So we'll see. Would a high IQ society manage to make Sharia law work? I left Islam, but geez, Sharia seems not too bad these days. Um, well, you want a free society where things are negotiated. Um, and, uh, you know, there are certain issues with Sharia that are pretty brutal when it comes to the non-aggression principle. So um, I think you're looking for a solution that, uh, you know, all we can do is simply try and work for a free society and better parenting. All right. Uh, I have a relative in the Canadian mainstream media. She said they have lots of dirt on the Ford family they couldn't report. Yeah, I mean, I can't confirm that or anything like that, but Rush used to call Biden plugs. <laughs> See, I'm so Canadian. I think you're talking about the band, not Limbaugh. How do you manage stress during conflictual situations? Uh, you, uh, you focus on the facts and you disassociate from your emotions until later. My son has begun to hold food in his mouth lately for an hour or two at a time. Any insight on this? He doesn't want to spit it out, ever. That's interesting. Holding food. Um, holding food? Why would you hold food in your mouth? 
Uh, is anything missing in his life? Like he wants additional flavor or does he have anxiety about the future and that he's not sure when he's going to eat again or how's his life as a whole, I, I would say. So maybe he's full, um, yeah, but then he wouldn't take the food, right? Or, um, and don't get into these power games with kids where, you know, you got to finish your plate, you got to eat your food, you got, I mean, you got to do this, got to, don't, don't get into food battles with your kids. Absolutely brutal and can give them lifelong issues. All right. So where are we here? Ooh, look at me looking all handsome. Well, what can I say? I'm, uh, I'm breathing. So let's talk about if you had a difficult mom or difficult dad. It's Mother's Day. We'll talk about difficult mom, right? And sorry, let me just make sure I got my uh, questions from other places as well. Oh, it's about control. Oh, somebody says about control. It could be. But control uh, is a bit, a bit loosey-goosey, if that makes sense. Like, it's hard to know exactly what that means. Bitcoin when moon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I would hold my breath as a child and the family would pass me like a hot potato. Doc said, he'll just pass out. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, let's, let's talk about... Um, you know, how to deal with, uh, if you, if you had a bad mom, right? If you had a bad mom, because here's, here's the, here's the pattern that we do, right? It's the pattern that we do. What we do is we say that our mother is not an individual, but is a reflection of female nature, of females as a whole, of women as a whole. And that allows us to feel less angry and upset with our own mother. But it seals off our capacity for love in the future. Bad call. I, look, and again, I understand it. I, I'm trying to just give you the cost-benefit analysis. Like, I understand why people would do this, but there is a very strong cost-benefit analysis you need to be aware of. So the first thing that you need to recognize and understand is we are not designed for new types of women, just as women aren't designed for new types of men. When we evolved, there was not any practical choice when it came to who we were going to marry, who was going to be the mother of our children. In other words, the mother of our children during our evolution, the mother of our children would be 95 to 99% the same as our own mother. Why? Because we were in relatively small tribes with fairly universal belief systems, at least within those tribes, and universal, repetitive, usually very grim parenting standards. And so your girlfriend was going to be the same as your mother. And so what you would do, what your genes would do, is they would look up the family tree and they would say, oh, okay, so my dad is sexually successful because I exist. Therefore, I need to do what my dad did. My dad chose my mom. Therefore, I need to, to bond with or, or whatever it is my mother. I need to view my mother as all women. And uh, that way I can be sexually successful in the future, just as my dad was in the past, by being with someone like my mother, right? That's that's how it works, right? Here we understand. Uh, we understand all of that. It's pretty, pretty clear, right? Now, in the modern world, we have choices. We have choices for different kinds of women, different kinds of personalities, different kinds of approaches to life that can be entirely different from our own mothers. <sighs> That's a big choice. And we are not evolved for that. We evolved to repeat, 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 repeat. That's what we do. And there was never, almost never going to be, in fact, for all intents and purposes, there was never going to be a woman we could date who would not be almost the same as our mother. It's just the way it goes. It's just the way it goes. Now, there was stability in that. There was repetition. There was a lack of growth, but there was some good stuff in it as well. 
So that's important to remember, that we are designed to universalize our own mothers into the eternal female and then find someone like her. That's what our genes program us to do. Because you got to think, like any genes that didn't say, oh yeah, let's just find someone like mom, any genes that says, I reject this type of woman entirely, well, you die out, right? You don't reproduce. Because remember, 80% of women throughout history reproduce, but only 40% of men. So how you were raised in your small local village, in your small local tribe, how you were raised and the type of mother you had was pretty much the type of woman you were going to marry. And that's what we do. We imprint upon that. Whether we like it or not, we imprint upon our mothers and we look for someone like our mothers. It's not Freudian. It's not anything like that garbage. All it is is simply your genes want to make more of you. They want to make more of themselves. And the way that they do that, of course, is to find a woman like the woman your dad married because he's sexually successful and that's what you got to aim for. So hopefully that makes some sense. And uh, that is... Uh, that is the challenge, right? Now, we have this new situation, like, like there was never supposed to be human communication without a gatekeeper, right? Never. Never supposed to be human, the gatekeeper could be a priest, it could be a king, it could be censors, it could be um, the people in charge of, of the media. But so we're in the situation where people have access to a global audience with no gatekeepers, and that was 10 years of glory from 2006 to 2016. And after that, it went to hell in a handbasket because people kind of realized, oh my God, society is not very well adapted to information without gatekeepers because information is so powerful that the first thing that the elites want to do is control the flow of information. And so they did that. They're trying to do that in Canada now by trying to get uh, podcasters and online people under the grim control of the CRTC. Uh, they're, they're doing it in America with deplatforming. They're doing it in a lot of different places. Uh, and uh, so our modern society is uh, in this incredible tension between what we evolved in and what we can actually achieve in the moment, right? And that's, that's pretty wild. That's a pretty wild thing in history to, to be going through. So just look at that sort of big, big picture stuff. Did you see the meme CDC now recommends wearing a seatbelt even when you're outside the car? Yeah, sadly, it's, uh, it's kind of true. It's kind of true. So once you recognize that issue, that your reproductive strategy that's embedded deep in your genetics is to say that my mother is all the femininity, because it would certainly historically or evolutionarily speaking, it would be all the femininity you would ever be exposed to. Because again, as a male, if you were captured by another tribe, you wouldn't get to... Um, uh, you wouldn't get to mate with the new tribe's females because you'd either be enslaved and thus, or you'd be castrated or you'd just be killed, right? So you're only supposed to adapt to women like your own mother and to reproduce with women like your own mother. And again, it sounds Freudian. It's nothing to do with that. It's just a template, right? You know, if you grow up speaking uh, English in your family, then that's your language, right? And you don't automatically get another language. And it's the same thing with femininity. So what you have to do is recognize that that's going on and then say, but logically, my mother is not all of femininity, right? My mother is not all of the female. I mean, I believe that there are general characteristics of, of, of women, which is good and bad and indifferent, just as there are of men. But my mother's particular personality is not all women. And, and recognize why you would think it's all women, because of evolution, 
but now recognize that you have a choice that evolution did not prepare you for, which is with a choice to have a very different kind of wife than your mother was or that your father's wife was. You can have a very different wife than your father did. It can be polar opposite in a way, but you are not doomed for this blind photocopier of history. You're not doomed for that, but it's difficult and, and there's resistance to it because when you say to your genes, so to speak, I'm going to go for a different kind of woman, your genes are going to be like, well, why? It's like, well, because I want to be happy. And the genes say, I don't really care about your happiness. I really don't care about your happiness. In fact, your unhappiness can be very beneficial to us because your unhappiness could lead you to get married younger. Like if you're a woman, the, the traditional thing is, oh, I can't stand <clears throat> my dad or my mom. I'm going to find some guy getting married to him so I can be out of the house. And so unhappiness can breed our selected behavior, promiscuity, and so on, lowering your standards, which can aid in genetic transmission, not, not stability or civilization, right? Because civilization is basically, hey, did you hear something that upset you? Will you turn to violence? That's all civilization is. Will you turn to violence either directly or indirectly through the state? Uh, will you create hate speech, throw people in jail, arrest them, find them? You heard something you don't like. Are you willing to not be violent about it? That's all civilization is. And it's a bloody tough thing to hold on to, unfortunately. So I would say that recognizing it's really, really important. And what you have to do is you have to logically crack the nut, which says, my mother is all women. Now, once you do that and you say, well, and, and you can see a lot of people out there, you see them in the manosphere, you see them in other places where they say, Women are this, or this is female nature. Hypergamy is female nature. And it's like, well, yeah, hypergamy is female nature, for sure. Women want to trade up, but it doesn't just mean money or, or abs, <clears throat> excuse me, or looks or anything like that. Uh, it could mean a woman wants to trade up in terms of virtue. She wants a guy who's more virtuous, who's more uh, a better conversationalist, who's whatever. It could be any number of things, right? So the fact that people want better is, is fine. <laughs> it's good. It's good that people want better, right? But people say, well, women want hypergamy, therefore she'll always choose the guy with the most money. It's like, well, yeah, resources are important. If you're a woman and you want to raise kids, then resources are important because you're disabled through pregnancy for years. But it doesn't just mean money, right? It doesn't just mean money. It, it could mean any, any variety of things. I mean, if she has a lot of money, but the guy beats her, then she's not going to be happy. Uh, if she has a lot of money, but the guy is always away, she's not going to be very happy. If she has a lot of money, but the guy's a bad dad, she's not going to be very happy. So it's more than just more than just money. That's sort of important to to remember. So because you know, I had this question, let's say there are ten men and ten women. Should the alpha male get all ten women and impregnate them? Would that be good for society? It's like, well, no, of course not, for a wide variety of reasons. Uh, number one, of course, too much genetic proximity for the kids. So future, there's not enough genetic diversity. Otherwise, you're going to get a shave off of intelligence and other personality and developmental issues and physical issues and deformities and so on. So, so that's not good. Uh, secondly, if this happens, um, you've created a lot of unhappy women and you've also created a lot of men who have uh, nothing to lose genetically by not having a revolution. Right? You've got nine men who can't uh, be part of the society. Then, well, the, the man is going to need some of those men to be his protectors. And so he's going to have to offer them some access to reproduction in order to be his protectors, to be his Praetorian guard or soldiers or whatever. Whereas if he just says to all nine men, you can't have, sorry, I'm, I've got all the women, they'll just kill him. Right? They'll, I'll drive him out or castrate him or whatever. And so, yeah, that's, that's very destabilizing 
uh, as a whole. So yeah, it doesn't it doesn't work. Uh, it's it's a bad idea. So I just wanted to mention that because someone asked that question. Look at the look at me wedging it in like an amateur. Um, so let me just pause here and uh, make sure that uh, I haven't uh, baffled everyone too much. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, no, all right. The public put Stefan in charge of society. Stefan, Uno reverse card. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Um, yeah, if he has lots of money, but visits Epstein's Island, right? Well, the thing is, too, that, uh, you know, when it comes to you, to, I mean, the, the Gates thing is interesting because Melinda Gates, you know, is like said, I want to be a perfect and complete equal in every decision that's made with the foundation, with finances, with all this, that, and the other. It's like, yeah, but you didn't earn that. You didn't earn that. I mean, you you married the guy, but that's not the same as earning it. You didn't create Microsoft. You didn't um, build the company. You didn't become massively wealthy. I mean, you you know, she's a high-functioning woman and all that, but she wants half control without having done half the work or half the brilliance or half the genius. I mean, whatever you say about Bill Gates, and there's a lot of negative things to say about the guy. He is a genius uh, of, of productivity who would have actually been much better off staying in Microsoft to, to benefit the world rather than mucking about with mosquito nets and vaccines. But anyway, um, so he's sitting there saying, well, wait a minute, I, I earned all this money and now you want a half say in how it's distributed, but you didn't earn it. Uh, and look, I understand it's not the same as they both bought a lottery ticket. Like he is a productivity genius without without a doubt, not moral, I would say, but a productivity genius. So why on earth would she, like this demanding of half when you didn't earn it? It's ridiculous. That's just completely ridiculous. All right. Uh, so, so that's important to recognize that your mother, I'm every woman, it's all in me, right? That's not... She's not every woman. Your mother is not every woman. She is just a particular type of person who had experiences, made decisions, and she is an individual. Your mother is not emblematic of all women. You cannot even remotely rationally extrapolate from your mother to all women. Again, you'll want to genetically, and your genes will fight like hell. Because they're like, hey, man, you may not be happy, but we've got the best chance of reproduce, reproducing if we find some woman like your mom. Because that's who's around, right? And you're like, no, 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 listen. You guys are ancient bedrock foundational glory things, but uh, you, you know, you're not so good with the present. You're not so good with the here and now. You, just, you, you don't do the present very well. Genes and our instincts uh, don't really do the present very well. They don't do change circumstances, they, any of that stuff, right? So if you say to your genes, listen, I'm in a negotiation. I do want to reproduce. Uh, I'm willing to take the risk of moving outside. But you guys haven't caught up to like family courts and sexual allegations in divorce and uh, all of that and, and losing half her stuff, not getting access to her kids. Uh, and uh, so you haven't caught up. I just haven't caught up to the state, to, to the modern modernity, to feminism and so on, right? So, you know, all, all due respect, I appreciate the fact that you know how to run my kidney when I don't, but you got to just not. You do got to just not tell me. I got to be like, 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 date like well, right? Peter Thiel says, endless government harassment drove Gates from being a technologist at Microsoft. Government bullying kills society. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's very much true because he kind of bailed after the endless DOJ investigation. So, yeah, it's pretty, pretty bad. So... Then the question is, uh, I found a Jungian therapist, but she seems leftist, equality, feminism, migrants, bad idea to see her. Um, 
if you know your therapist's political positions, I don't think that's a good therapist. Because your therapist is about you. You should not know your, um, your therapist's position on migrants, because that's not, that's not what they're there for, right? They're there to help you uh, understand and process um, your feelings and, and history and, and reality. You need a, a therapist who's moral, obviously, because most, I think most psychological issues arise from morality, not trauma, right? Because if we have trauma, but we also have very, very, oh, you saw it on LinkedIn profile and Facebook? Uh, yeah, but if you're a um, therapist, should you really be posting all of your public stuff? Again, that's just my particular thoughts, right? So, um, yeah, that's, uh, here's the thing too. So if, if your therapist is very leftist and let's say you're a white male, then she's going to assume that, you know, well, your psychological issues are because you're losing power in a world that's rapidly changing as opposed to whatever, right? So I live in a leftist controlled area of the U.S. So finding therapist seems like a minefield, but you can broadcast, you can go, right? You can, um, you can get people to do it over Skype or Zoom or whatever, and uh, so you're not limited to your geography. I don't know. Do you in in therapy person without a mask? I don't know. A lot of therapists aren't doing it these days, right? Because the one thing they know is that you know the way to avoid uh, catching COVID is to not be uh, around obviously physically inactive and overweight people in an enclosed area for very long, uh, and uh, so therapists would have a tough time, I think, avoiding COVID if they're in hour-long sessions and all of that. So, Well, the mental health industry is leftist, yeah, for sure, for sure. It's uh, female-dominated, which, you know, again, I know I just said not all women, right, but the women who go into therapy in general have a particular kind of mindset and a bent, right? And therapy is a lot of power, right? And um, women are uh, evolved to have power over children, but in society, it's still, there's still a little bit of catch-up, right? Okay, so... Then the question is, uh, I would just end up on this one and just wanted to wish everyone again a very happy Mother's Day. And um, if you had a difficult mother, then the best way you can deal with that is to marry a woman, have kids who herself is going to be a wonderful mother so that you can have a great Mother's Day in the future, right, with, with the mother of your, your children. Uh, so someone says, Steph, I run an association of conservative therapists if anyone needs one. Well, please feel free to, to do all of that. Uh, Belinda Gates is proactively distancing herself away before Bill starts falling, even denouncing him herself. Well, I don't know about how is Bill going to fall if he does, if my theory is correct and people have terrible material on Bill Gates and they're telling him what to do, how's he going to fall? I mean, as long as he continues to do what they tell him to do, uh, which I'm sure he's going to, then why would he start falling? So. so how do you change it? Well, you change it with philosophy, right? How do you change it? So um, you have to learn to love the feminine, right? And if you had a mother who's dysfunctional, then that dysfunction is going to attempt to reproduce itself by keeping you away from moral people, right? So dysfunction, uh, abuse, and so on, you got to think of these as genetic implements. They're like memes in that sense, right? They're genetic patterns that strive to reproduce themselves. So a, why does trauma reproduce itself? Because trauma has particular genetic implications, both in terms of who you choose and the epigenetics of how your genes are changed after you're born. Like we know that a woman who grows up without a father actually menstruates earlier, right? Because her body has scanned the environment and it's preparing her for chaos and our selective behavior, right? So uh, trauma wants there to be more trauma because the genes that are interwoven with trauma want more of themselves, right? So 
um, trying to get away from the trauma genetic combination, trauma genes, right? Um, well, it's it's like being in a cult, right? Trying to get out is, is really tough. They will attack you. So when you try to get away from the trauma genes, the trauma genes will attack you with despair, with uh, hopelessness, with anxiety, with depression, with uh, every horrible thing so that you will then rush back into the, the, the trauma gene whirlpool and reproduce the genes and the behavior that the trauma genes want you to reproduce, right? So again, I mean, to me, that's where Satan kind of comes from. Satan is the pattern of reproducing genetics, right? So if you have a, uh, a mother who's addicted and abusive and violent and so on, then she's going to imprint that upon you and that's going to trigger both who you choose, and it's also going to trigger the behaviors that you take, which are going to have epigenetic effects, and then you, those genes are going to want you to be abusive and yell at your kids to keep that. that right. And those genes, like, it's a family tree of genetics, right? Trauma gene sounds like a Star Trek alien race. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean to be a, 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 a buzzkill, but uh, it's kind of serious. So I don't know about the laugh out loud stuff. I mean, it's okay to have comedy about trauma, but this is it's pretty dark stuff. So it's the same thing with, with pedophilia, right? So pedophilia, uh, the, the pedophile uh, has certain genetic manifestations, genetic implementations, and he then wishes to, or his genes say, inflict this upon children so that they'll grow up to be just like you. And this is the way that these things occur. It's not simply genes. It's not simply uh, epigenetics. It's not simply memes it's a combination of all of these things right somebody says damn trauma genes i'm always at war with them no i get that right you know that if you're going very very fast and you have to change like say you're running really fast and you have to change direction you got to lean into it it's really tough the faster you go the harder it is to change direction right this is the basic rabbit versus wolf situation right the rabbit is constantly changing direction because it's smaller and lighter the wolf can't change direction as as quickly so it has to anticipate and Right, so you get how this how this works. There's everything that is in you has momentum and wishes to continue doing the same thing. Right, it's it's easier to not learn another language. It's easier to date people in terms of just sick familiarity. It's easier to date people like the ones you grew up with. It's just easier to live in the culture you grew up in in general. Right, so this is why it's kind of tough to change these kinds of things. Somebody says, but in all seriousness, paranoia is the trauma gene that runs in my family the strongest. Well, see, that's one of the big challenges for me, just by the by, is my mother uh, was subject to to absolutely horrible levels of paranoia. And so for me, taking on the world in the way that I did, knowing that people would be out to get me and that I have a history of growing up with somebody who actually has paranoia, uh, but I didn't want my mother's paranoia to have me silent for fear of persecution, right? And the persecution has occurred and uh, people are out to get me. There's, there's no question of that. And so uh, dealing with that and saying, well, if I just live a life where I'm hiding out and not telling the truth because my mother was paranoid, then her paranoia wins and the truth loses. And I don't want the negative aspects of my mother's personality to win, right? So your mother, your father, if they traumatized you, are setting you up to repeat that. And they're sort of unconscious hand puppets in a way of the trauma genes that just simply want to have the same thing over and over again. And the trauma genes are way stronger, way older, and way more universal than the happy genes, right? The integrity genes, the philosophy genes, right? I call them philosophy genes. So the trauma genes, kind of how we all originated. And, you know, I did this whole speeches in in um, Australia about the, um, the native 
culture, the indigenous population, the Aborigines, right? 40,000 years, just endless levels of child abuse and infanticide. They, they would kill their babies by pouring sand into their mouth. They would throw spears at the young men as a puberty ritual. It was just horrifying stuff. It went on for four, 40,000 years, virtually no progress whatsoever, right? So the uh, breaking the cycle is is a real challenge. And the philosophy genes are kind of the new evolution, right? They are the new evolution, very recent, uh, really not more than a, I don't know, I, mean, I would say that the peaceful parenting stuff that I've talked about, obviously 15, 16 years since I started uh, talking about it, but the philosophy genes are pretty new, a couple of decades at the most, right? So we've got 150,000 years of trauma genes, and we've got a couple of decades of philosophy genes. So it's it's a battle, man. It, it's, a, it's a big, tough battle, right? Somebody said, oh my God, my PTSD panic attacks. I thought I was dying, and talking helped way more than Busbar and Seroquel. Seroquel's a med, right? I don't know what Busbar is. Yeah, panic attacks are just awful. I mean, I've talked to some people who've had panic attacks, and you you feel like you're just about to die, but not die. Like it's a dying that's going to go on forever. It's it's literally hell. And uh, I really, really, uh, I was talking to a woman. I don't think I've released the show yet. I was talking to the woman who had absolutely appalling panic attacks, and she had them in her intro to psych course. Right? Oh, twenty years in fire service. Oh yeah. So you've seen some stuff. You've seen some black stuff, right? For sure. And um, so my sympathy for that, for sure. So how do you change it? Well, you have to look at, um, first of all, you have to accept that there are people different from those who raised you out there in the world, and they're looking for you too, right? So there are people out there different from the people who raised you, and they're looking for you too, right? You have to understand that that's a fact. It's an absolute fact. I can confirm that, right? I mean, I date a lot of women on the same spectrum, although never anyone nearly, nearly as bad as my mom but on that sort of side of the spectrum. And there are other types of people out there. But here's the problem too. The trauma genes, they seal you off, right? They put a moat around you. They seal you off. So the trauma genes, a good, healthy, normal people, they're not in that world. They're not in that world. Like expecting healthy people to be in the trauma gene vortex is sort of like expecting uh, Barack Obama to move to a bad section of Detroit. Now, he's going to move to Martha's Vineyard, of course, right? He doesn't want to be in Detroit because <laughs> impairment. So you're sealed off from those people. It's hard to really believe that they exist because you're sealed off from them because they just don't come near you. They just don't come near you. Like when I was in the, in the buildings that I grew up in, there were no wealthy people. They just weren't there. Why? Because why would you want to be in some rent-controlled hellhole with a bunch of dysfunctional families and single moms and, and aggressive kids and and all that. Why would you want to be in those environments if you had money? You, you're just not going to go and do that. Now, I was fortunate in that my high school, I did meet some people who had some uh, more money and, and better off that way. But yeah, you don't, uh, you don't, you don't see those people in your, in your environment. You know, like if you're, if you're working at a convenience store, as I did for a while uh, in my early teens, um, you, none of your co-workers is going to be Elon Musk in his prime. Like, it's just it's very different worlds. So you also have to recognize that when you're in the trauma gene vortex, like everybody around you is just traumatized and, and acting out and repeating it, if you try to break out, they will try and drag you back. And if you find someone who's healthy, they will try to wreck that. They will try to harm that. They will try to destroy that. They will try to undermine that. And if you keep going, they will threaten you. They will bully you. They will abandon you. They will pull every conceivable economic uh, and, and 
uh, emotional and psychological trick to keep you in the realm of the trauma vortex, right? They'll just keep you there. Because if you break out, then that challenge is, see, the genes tell you, well, there's no place to break to. No place to break out to. Right? This is, it's like asking for a woman with nine legs. Like you just, every, like it's, it's not going to work. There's no one out there who's not like your mom or your dad. So forget it. Just don't have unrealistic standards. Don't, right? This is what women are. This is, right? All of that, right? This is what the genes are going to tell you. And again, throughout most of evolution, they were right. You couldn't get to another tribe, and everyone in your tribe was kind of the same. And right, so, so they were kind of right. Now, breaking out of that, it's like it's like literally wandering off into the desert, hoping to find a city. Like maybe, but probably not, right? And so it feels like dying. It feels like, and, and I, you know, the the people who were in my life in the past were completely freaked out anxiety-ridden or openly hostile towards the woman who became my wife. Which, you know, basically screw them, right? <laughs> Sorry, uh, I've got such a wonderful thing that anybody who was negative towards my wife, who was around me, you know, the 20 years ago that we met, uh, that is, uh, yeah, sorry, it's not even not even close. Like, if I got to choose, man, uh, no thanks, right? And it's because, you know, we have a happy, functional, healthy, glorious, wonderful relationship, and that shows them that they got lied to by the trauma genes and there are good people out there, they got suckered in, right? They got suckered into thinking there wasn't anything better they could do. And so the moment that something better comes along, they feel completely ripped off. And I understand that. And I actually do sympathize. I do sympathize. So many people, the vast majority of people, get suckered by the trauma genes into believing that there's nothing better out there. There's nobody better out there. And it's rough. And, and of course, the byproduct of that is that they have to attack. And this is a schadenfreude. This is like everybody likes to tear people down. Everybody likes to expose the worst. Everybody likes, because, because there's no good people out there. That's what the trauma genes are telling you. Because if you go and find the good person, then the philosophy genes win and the trauma genes lose. And so virtuous people are like a predator for the trauma genes, right? So I remember you told the story of a friend you lost over saying he didn't want to get to know her. Well, it wasn't a friend, somebody even closer than that, who said... Uh, I don't really want to get to know your fiance because you're just going to get divorced anyway. So, right? yeah, I know. And, and I had another friend. I went out with um, uh, him and my wife-to-be when she was still my girlfriend, and his hands were shaking. Like, he was in the presence of something really powerful and really positive. And he was f literally freaking out. He stammered. Like, he's not normally a nervous guy, but he was just, <sighs> right? So, yeah, it's... Uh, uh, there was not anybody. I had, a, 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 believe it or not, a friend of mine, the friend who got me on the volleyball team where I met my wife, when she became my girlfriend, he never spoke to me again. Isn't that wild? My trauma genes sometimes tell me I'm not good enough for the good people. It can be a struggle sometimes. Yeah, your trauma genes, yeah, if you break through to the good people, then the trauma genes will simply tell you you're not good enough. They'll reject you. They won't have any interest in you. You're, you're not worthy, all that, right? I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. The trauma genes will absolutely do that kind of stuff. Whatever it takes to keep you in the circle of hell, in the trauma vortex, your trauma genes will just dictate that to you. And it's really tough, really tough to change. Well worth it changing, well worth changing. But yeah, the it's... It's like if you're born from an obese mom, you have primed for obesity genetics, you have an environment, your mom's probably overfeeding you, so then losing weight as an adult is really, really tough. It's because your, your fat genes want to reproduce themselves. So, 
yeah, it's rough. All right. So yeah, that's that's the major stuff. Just there's better stuff out there. Do not mistake women as a whole for your mother in particular. Again, I understand completely why you would do that because it's not even like a choice. Again, it's just our genetics doing their thing. But really, really try to avoid that. And then you can have a wonderful Mother's Day. This guy says, only once they're presented with competition like the artificial womb and paid surrogacy, then lots of them will need to make an effort. Oh, the artificial womb and paid surrogacy isn't going to do a damn thing. I mean, everybody's got this, oh my God, we just, as soon as we have this, we'll tame the women who are out. It's like, no, not going to work. Not going to work. Not going to work. Um, because men will still want to have sex. Uh, and it, See, women have been corrupted by the state. Where women are dysfunctional in general, they're corrupted by the state. And you blame the state, don't you? I mean, we don't say about a Soviet worker under Stalin, well, he's just lazy. He's just, just, just lazy. He doesn't work hard. He's lazy. It's like, no, he's just got completely skewed up incentives. And it doesn't matter whether he works or not, right? As they say under the Soviet Union, the, um, they, you know, they pretend to pay us and we pretend to work. So blaming women for responding to this is something Scott Adams says. It's actually quite accurate. I think he says, he says, people on the left don't take into account human, like normal human motivations when designing their systems, and people on the right do take into account, right? So people on the left were like, well, we'll take away the profit motive and people will work even harder. And it's like, no, that's not how people work. So you've got a system where women are traumatized, lied to, propagandized, uh, given unjust and unwieldy power through the state, through excessive voting uh, uh, powers because they live longer and vote more. Uh, through family courts, they just they've got a whole lot of power, and power destroys people. And blaming women for that, rather than blaming the power that has been unjustly put into their lives, that's just uh, it's just unfair. Again, it's it's taking your frustration of your mother out on women as a whole. And you know, men are corrupted by power. Women are corrupted by power. The problem is power, not the individual men or the individual women. Because when you say the problem is not power but the individual, then you are justifying that power. That's what really annoys me about that. And I don't mean you guys at all. I'm just, you know, this general mindset. So there's a fat gene. Yeah, my understanding is that if you are a mother was obese, then you are much more likely to to get um, a, was a higher body weight set point or a higher, a greater capacity to accumulate fat and so on, right? So, but again, you can take that and you can say, well, I'm going to make sure that I don't gain weight and all of that. So Hey, Steph, are all of your NFTs permanently off the public domain? Well, I, you know, what am I going to... So I've got an NFT at the moment out there, The Rise of Nazism. You should check it out, freedomainnft.com. Uh, you can put a bid on it and, uh, you know, I'm, you own it then. You can do whatever you want with it after that. So, Hey, Steph, you once told me I may not be succeeding because my dad wants me to fail. Could my trauma genes lead me to failure? 25 with no career. Yeah, see, if, if, if you succeed where your father failed, if you succeed where your mother failed, if you succeed where your siblings fail, or your cousins, your aunts and uncles, if you succeed where they fail, their trauma genes will attack you, or if you're even getting close, right? So, uh, yes, I, I generally, failure is something inflicted upon an individual by a dysfunctional environment who would be existentially threatened by success. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's rough. It's rough. Uh, it's mind-blowing how he talks topics that hit home, like right at home. Well, you know, I do shows, and I spend a lot of time thinking <laughs> in between. So I know women voting themselves welfare is the problem, but that can't be changed in this society. 
Well, come on, men vote themselves free stuff all the time as well, right? Yeah, I mean, welfare is also something that male sexual addicts, male men who want to sleep with a lot of women, love the welfare state because it means that the women don't have to be careful about their sexuality. So. Uh, yeah, the NFT is tough, right? I tried to sell a book there, but the Ethereum prices, so the costs were hotter. Thank you. I will look into those alternatives. I appreciate that. Thank you. So uh, I'm also looking at doing it on Tether as well. There's a friend of mine who's very into Tether, and we're just waiting for them to approve the um, release of a P, uh, of a, you know, a, a ebook format for all of that. So, so yeah, recognizing this trauma vortex, the, the trauma genes, and and how much they need you to imagine that it's just a hole of mirrors. You know, like you hold two mirrors together, it's just an infinity either side of you. That that's all there is. And if people say, "Well, your standards too high. You're just too picky. You're, you know, you're never satisfied. You just want more and more. You're going to end up alone if you have all these high standards." That's just the trauma gene saying, "Don't, don't trade up, man." Because you see, here's the thing: the trauma genes. It's a collective thing. It's not just individual. The trauma genes don't want people to see you succeed in escaping the trauma vortex, because then you're a path out to everyone else, right? I mean, if, if there was a particular magic word that had you teleport out of prison, the prison guards don't want you to say that word, or they certainly don't want you to say that word in other people's earshot, because then they'll say the same word and everybody will leave the prison, right? So you have to be sacrificed, not just for your own genetics, but for the entire vortex. The in, if you get out of the trauma vortex, if you defy the trauma genes, then as an example, this is why everyone fights you, not just for themselves, but it's the entire genetic thing. Like everybody who puts their hand on a hot stove is going to feel pain because of all of that genetics. It's a common thing. So everybody in the trauma vortex will fight you, not just because they will feel bad, but because the trauma vortex as a whole, collectively, doesn't want you to be an example of how to get out, because then other people will get out. The trauma vortex loses. The philosophy vortex or the philosophy genes win, and there's a huge transfer of resources from dysfunction to health and happiness, right? So, yeah, it's really, uh, it's really, really bad. So, okay, so that's, that's sort of my, my suggestion. I hope this framework helps, and I really, really do appreciate everyone dropping by today. I hope that you will, if you're in contact with your mother, I hope that you will give her a call, see how she's doing. If there's things you need to say to her, don't bear false witness. Be honest in your relationships. Isn't that what you were always told as a kid? You know, tell the truth, be honest. Okay, well, that's all I'm saying too. It's just that people don't like it when I talk about these things in moral, in a moral context. So yeah, have yourselves a wonderful week, everyone. Lots of love from up here. Please, freedomain.com forward slash donate to help out the show if you find this stuff valuable. And come on, we all know how incredibly valuable what it is that we talk about here is and that you can't get anything like this anywhere else. And these are the ideas that genuinely change your lives in a powerful fashion for the better. Freedomain.com forward slash donate help me defy the deplatforming and all of that. So have yourselves a wonderful, wonderful day. And uh, again, I'm sorry for the people I was supposed to do a, um, a roundtable today, uh, theologically speaking, but um, my bad. I did apologize to people there. So uh, we will do that another time. I also have a debate coming up on modern monetary theory, which I think will be very interesting and enjoyable. I will keep you all posted about that. Don't forget to go to freedomain.com forward slash connect to check out all the places you can see my glorious noggin. And uh, yeah, lots of love from here. Take care, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.